You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question. Hi, Dr. E. Curious about what you think about Jephthah's vow to sacrifice whatever came out of his house in return for his victory in battle, which, of course, resulted in the sacrificing of his daughter. Well, let's take this from a a couple of uh, angles. Number one, the book of Judges, which I love. And by the way, if you teach boys like anywhere from third, fourth, fifth, middle school, high school boys, you got to teach the book of Judges. <laughs> the story of Eglon and Ehud, every boy will love the story of Eglon the really fat, the, the really knife fat man that, and the yeah. knife. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's so many great stories. Samson, of course, Gideon. But anyway, I love the book of Judges. Now, that said, it's a horrible book. Um, the, 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 but teach them the horrible but, but yeah, book. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll get it to that. It is the very word of God. <laughs> it is, thank you. Uh, the reason it's horrible is that in those days, there is no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in, in his own, own eyes. eyes. That's yep. the cadence of these cycles in the book of Judges. It's kind of America today, well, right? Well, let's, yeah, let's, <laughs> on that cheery note, um, <laughs> getting like your old man. So so the story of Judges is uh, everyone's doing what is right in their own eyes. The, the book begins with much of the land had not yet been taken. So Israel has not been obedient in going into the promised land. The tribal disputes begin early on. The Danites complain about their territory. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful book about people when they finally get what they want and they don't want to you know continue following God. That's the the bottom line, which is your comment about America. So now let's go let's go to Jephthah. So in chapter eleven of the book of Judges, uh, Jephthah is the ninth judge. Uh, He's called a valiant warrior. He's a Gileadite. But he's the son of a harlot. Okay. So you're getting the backstory already. You know they're doing what's right in their own eyes. Uh, Jephthah's parents should not have gotten together. Yeah, coming from a broken home. Right, bro- broken yeah. home. He, he's a, he's a complicated guy. Um, his backstory in in chapter eleven, verse seven. Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, "Do you not hate me?" And drive me from my father's house. So why have you come to me now when you're in trouble? And and this is like mm. you know whenever you go to war, you take whoever will go with you. Yeah. Um. And so they've treated him horribly, and he's got a bunch of the text calls them worthless fellows. You got to love it. Who are his friends? <laughs> and so he's running with the wrong crowd, and yet they need him when they're going up to battle. So Jephthah makes this vow and. Chapter 11, verse 29. Now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, so that he passed through Gilead and Manasseh. Then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he went on to the sons of Amnon. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed give the sons of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Jephthah crossed over to the sons of Amnon to fight against them, and the Lord gave them into his hand. And he struck them with a very great slaughter. So he wins the battle. What did he think was going to come out of his house, though? An animal? I yeah, mean, I, I they would had think. animals. Yeah, I would think so. Now, understand compounds, and more than likely, this isn't a physical home by this time. This is more, you know, they're, they're, dispo- and... well, they're dispossessing. 
So, you know, in the land where he would have been, he may have had some shelters or tent structures, but think of more of a compound okay. and think of, you know, herds and flocks being around it. it and, and there's no question it was a rash vow. Um, I, I read one commentator years ago that called it Jephthah's stupid vow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the other thing that's really bothersome is that it's like the Holy Spirit came upon him and led him through, like, that is at the beginning of that passage. And so... I mean, I guess today we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us and we still make really stupid decisions. So every, every character is a flawed character. Right. Um, my, my contention is there's only one really super successful guy in the Old Testament who followed God after disobeying him, which was Jonah. Yeah, but Jonah doesn't end well either. Exactly. <laughs> and arguably he's the most successful guy in the Old Testament. That, that's Michael Easley's crazy opinion. 625,000 people or so come to Christ. That's, that's, we would say 125,000 plus women and children. Right. Let's just double it. Let's just say, you know, 250,000. But it's this huge revival that believe in Yahweh Elohim because of what he does. Yeah. And he's clinically depressed in the book and, and complaining. He's mad about it. He's complaining. Yeah. So success in the Western mindset needs to be erased mm. what God's doing. Your point earlier, Hannah, and I was going to come back to this, but let me let me say it now. The one thing about Scripture that to me is so unlike any other world religion is that Scripture records man in his sinful condition and God uses him in spite of him. Yeah. David's sins are recorded totally. for eternity. Jephthah's rash vow is recorded for eternity. Um, when let's continue in the storyline where it is tragic. When Jephthah came to his home at Mizpah, this is Judges eleven thirty four. Behold, his daughter was coming out to meet him with tambourines and dancing. And here's the heart wrenching. Now she was his one and only child. Oof. If that weren't enough, besides her, he had no son or daughter. Wait, wait, wait! You already <laughs> told me. Sure. No, you don't miss it. When he saw her, he tore his clothes. And said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you are among those who troubled me, for I have given my word to the Lord. I can't. Now, you know, there's so much wrong with his comment, but nevertheless. So she said to him, My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you've said, since the Lord has avenged you of your enemies. Now, and again, it's a remarkable text. He said, She said, Let this thing be done to me. Let me alone for two months that I may go to the mountains and weep because of my virginity. I and my companions drop down to verse 39. At the end of two months, she returned to her father who did to her according to the vow which he had made. So he killed her. He burned her. She had no relations with the man. Thus it became a custom. Two, there's two uh, prominent views. Now, for years, I have believed he killed her. Okay. Um, and in, in recent scholarship, uh, there is a view, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm there yet, that the vow that she makes here is she's going to remain a uh, virgin. Never marry. And be excluded from mm -hmm. the tribe. And so this would make sense then. Verse 40, the daughters of Israel went yearly to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah. Uh, and, and so perhaps that's what happened in the ancient Near East. We don't know is the bottom line. Um, I don't have a problem believing that Jephthah carried out 
and killed his daughter and burned her. What do you mean? I have a problem with I, that? I mean, I don't have a problem with the idea that he actually that he actually executed, no pun intended, his vow. He kept his vow uh-huh. because go back to his history, go back to his lineage, go back to his rash vow to begin with, and in some convoluted way, he had kind of a moral compass. I made this vow to God. God delivered me from Amnon and Ammonites. I got to do what I said I was going to do. Um, you know, I, I can't prove it. But the other part is is an argument from silence. We just don't know. And when I read that text by itself, at the end of two months, he returned to her father who did to her according to the vow which he had made. The vow he made back in chapter uh, 11, verse 29, uh, verse 31, whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return, I will offer up as a burnt offering. Now, God didn't sanction this. Right. Did did Moses already say, like, was it already part of the law, don't make vows to the Lord? Or is that? Yes. Ne- so. No vows and no child sacrifice, no human sacrifice. Right. So both of these are against the will of the father. Jephthah is a judge who is doing what is right in his own eye. He's a judge with a convoluted uh, family system. We can't make presumptions that he was taught the law well. Sure. The theme of the book, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. There's no king in Israel to tell them, which, by the way, isn't a an indictment. We didn't have a David yet. The indictment is there's no king, meaning Israel didn't follow her king. Right. Yahweh Elohim. Right. right. You're not listening to Yahweh Elohim. This is not what he told you when you went to the land. Yeah. You're not doing what he said. And so it, it's... Judges is the darkest chapter in the Old Testament. And when you come to the end of Judges, where you've got, you know, we've gone from Judges who were to deliver the, the people of Israel to basically these one-man stories with Gideon right. and Samson, who basically is a modern-day, you know, John Rambo, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or world into one. It's yeah. all about him. It's not about Israel anymore. Right. And so we're continuing to see every man doing what's right in his own eyes. Uh-huh. By the way, what got Solomon in trouble? Uh, what got Samson in trouble? Women. His eyes. I see her. Uh-huh. She looks good to me. Get her for me. He saw a yeah. lie. He yeah. saw these things. Saw a woman from Timnah. Yeah. You can't miss it. What happens to him at the end? His eyes are gouged, gouged out. out. <laughs> Everyone did what was right in his own Eyes. eyes. What a crescendo on the storyline. Mm-hmm. You're doing what's right in your eyes. I'm going to take your eyes out. I'm trying to explain to you. So the period of judges and then civil war, of course, of course becomes you know another terribly low part of the story of judges. And then we had the book of Ruth, which begins with this cryptic phrase, in the days when the judges were judging. Mm. Doing what's right in their own eyes. Yep. You got this one guy, a kinsman redeemer, Who's a righteous man. Yep. And you got this one woman who is a Moabite, yep. for goodness yep. sakes. Yep. Who believes a rumor from her mother-in-law yep. about this God, Yahweh Elohim. Who, by the way, Naomi, in the beginning of the story, ain't the best PR <laughs> for God. <laughs> right. You know, so the story is remarkable in that two faithful people, one who was not a Jew. He's an outsider. Uh-huh. but believed in the Jewish Yahweh Elohim yep. and one who's a kinsman redeemer in the midst of all this, which goes, I mean, to me, the hair on the back of my neck goes up. The power of one person being uh-huh. faithful. 
uh-huh. in a crazy situation like judges in the days when the judges are judging. And of course, from from uh, kinsman redeemer Boaz and Ruth, we have the lineage of Jesus. Obed, Jesse, yep. David. Is that right? Did yep. I get those three yep. in order? Yep. I did. Uh, so I think I think the reason people have the, I mean I mean why we all have a hard time with this story is this idea that he makes a vow and then feels like he has to carry the vow out because he made it. And I, so I think our human piece is like, no, wouldn't God understood if he hadn't killed yeah. his daughter? But, but I mean, for me, I go back to God told you through the law to not make a vow to him. So it's not even like, <laughs> right. I, I mean, there's so much wrong. Um, you can't build a if then construct. You can't build a logical construct in the book of Judges. Again, the cadence yeah. doing us right. There's no king. They're not following Yahweh. They're following their own whims. And they've got shards and pieces of the law, but obviously they're not you know, following it well. And this, to me, is an epic failure of the Levitical order of the Aaronic priesthood that they didn't lead their people. And you, know, you can go all the way back, you know, Eli's sons. I mean, there's so many illustrations of where the law is not transmitted well to the next generation. But um, it's a horrible story, one of many in the Bible, that is a little bit hard to, to swallow, uh, to accept. But, you know, again, I write it in pencil. I think, he, I think he killed his daughter. I think he had some twisted moral compass to him. I made the vow. I got to fulfill it because God did what I asked him to do. Yep. He delivered me from the Ammonites, and I was victorious. And I said, whatever comes out of there, I got to do it. Horrible story. Uh, and I could be wrong. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694. Or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain. And you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.